Welcome to a special bonus episode on behalf of the Accounting Influencers Podcast Network. Five shows going out to accounting professionals all over the world in 150 countries. This is a special bonus show that's going out across all five of our shows because we have a special guest today, Sarah Dobek from Innovitas. Hello, Sarah. Hello. Thanks for having me, Rob. Sarah, it's lovely to have you on the show. For people that haven't come across you, just tell our audience a little bit about you and your world. Yeah. So uh, I am the founder of Innovatus Consulting, and uh, we do uh, marketing consulting for a lot of firms here in the U.S., occasionally work abroad, uh, but most of our clients are here in the United States. And what kind of shape do you feel the accounting profession is in right now? You talk to a lot of professional firms. What sense do you get? Oh, gosh, that's a loaded question. <laughs> How much time do we have, Rob? Um, what kind of shape are firms in? I think it's a t- it's it's an exciting and it's a tough time to be a public accounting firm right now and to be a CPA in public practice. There's so much that's changing. There's so many challenges that are sitting in front of us. And, um, you know, that can be exciting for a lot of people or it can be not so exciting for some people, but we tend to work with the people that find that exciting, that are entrepreneurial in spirit and and really like to look at those challenges and talk about how can we evolve. And um, so I think there's there's a lot of things that around the globe, not just in the US, that the firms are having to face right now, whether you're a chartered accountant or a CPA or uh, you know some other credential in there. Sure. And I didn't know if it's you specialize in helping firms grow. Do you hear from a lot of firms that they're growing enough, they've grown despite the pandemic, uh, but it's not necessarily the kind of clients they want. They're just trying to keep the lights on and managing all kinds of priorities. So they're not necessarily being specific or strategic about growth. Oh, yes, absolutely. One of the number one conversations we have right now is around client calling. And and the impetus behind that is that the firm doesn't have a clear definition around who they want to be serving. Um, For years, um, you know, that definition has been as different as the people in the firm right? So you have 10 shareholders, you've got 10 different opinions on that. You've got 50 people, you've probably got 50 different opinions on that. And so absolutely. And to us, growth isn't just about bringing on new clients. It's about helping firms evolve. And that's a lot of what um, we're focused on today. It's, it, you know, we, we often think marketing equals lead generation, right? Or brand awareness. And it's just, it stops there, but it's not, it's so much more strategic to that. And most of the time we spend is Yes, doing some of those other things, but the bigger picture is about how do we help firms evolve and compete effectively in today's marketplace. One of the ways you get a handle on what's going on, Sarah, is this survey that you do. It's a, a wonderful way of capturing what is really happening. It's the tell us a little bit more about it, exploring the growth outlook for CPA firms in 2023. Absolutely. So we started this actually in the middle of the pandemic because what we found is there was nobody that was really assessing the outlook that firms had on their own growth. And we were very curious. We had a lot of anecdotal information through the work that we do, but you know, um, you know, like any good researcher, we had some hypotheses out there and we really wanted to validate what that was. And so um, the first year of the pandemic, we did the survey twice to see how firms were responding as somebody that has lived through a recession with the public accounting profession and now was living through the pandemic. I learned a lot the first time around and I was I was really just truly curious. And what came out of that was something that was missing in the marketplace. There are a lot of surveys that this profession does. There's a lot of benchmarking reports and ours doesn't aim to do that other than to look forward and where are firms investing their dollars. And one of the things we saw clearly through the pandemic was a massive investment into technology, not just because you needed to be Zooming with your clients and work remotely, but as a way of communicating with clients, as a way of being able to market. And 
Um, we knew that it was going to move that, that direction for a long time, but it really exasperated that. And the survey today has evolved quite a bit to be more about the changing face of what growth looks like in an accounting firm. And, and it's not just marketing tactics and showing up to events and doing a little bit of social media. I mean, yes, some of those things are definitely still involved in, in the strategies firms have, but it goes much deeper than that. And so the survey really aims to fill a gap in the marketplace to give firms information on pricing, on sales strategies, on how they're <clears throat> charging customers for this massive tech stack that they now have in their firms that is growing exponentially, how we're approaching client experience, the role of marketing and business development professionals in all of the strategy. Um, they have their hands in so many different things, M&A, uh, client experience, recruiting, massive amounts of recruiting because of the staffing shortages all around the globe right now. And so the survey is, is the only place where, where we are gathering this information to be able to share it in a way that will be helpful to inform decision-making going forward. That's the goal. It's not to look backwards. We do ask a few historical questions as a baseline for like their growth rates, but there's plenty of surveys that do that. This is really more about how are we going to use this information to help inform, you know, the people that are setting strategies in their firm. Are we on the right track? What else should we be thinking about? What tech stacks are successful firms using too? Because I think that's another big question we get all the time. Well, let's dip into some of these. By the way, accountants have the monopoly on looking backwards at things. So let's leave that to them. Uh, without doing them a disservice on the whole, looking forward with advisory. Let's define some terms, Sarah, in your world, because when we talk about growth and marketing and sales and business development, this is not a world that accountants and CPAs are comfortable with. It's not why they came into the profession. So very simply, define growth for us in your dictionary. Oh, gosh. To me, growth is a mindset. Growth isn't just about revenue generation. There's a lot of different definitions. But when I think about growth, I think about evolution of a firm. And I started working inside of a very small firm and they had a very large growth mindset. They wanted to evolve who they were. And at the time that was a lot about revenue growth and staffing growth, but it was also about service lines. And today for most CPA firms, as you alluded to, it's not just about bringing in more clients. Firms have actually too many clients in some respects, but how are we growing as an organization um, from a mindset standpoint, from service standpoint, from even location, how we're serving our clients? So to us, growth is much broader looking and we've always viewed it that way than just are we generating leads or, you know, something along those lines. And when you do this survey, you said there are other ones out there. People might think of, uh, say, Rosenberg and there's compensation studies, there's all kinds of budget surveys out there. Who's doing what at this time and why are you just a little bit different? So we work very closely in the U.S. with the Association for Accounting Marketing. Um, in fact, we felt it was important to partner with them. We we run and own the survey, but they um, we partner closely with them because, you know, they are the face of accounting marketing here in the U.S. We've they got are... a great relationship with the ladies over there at Eamon. Nicole Sterling's been on our show as well, actually. Yeah, awesome. Nicole's great. Love her. Um, so uh, where we're a little bit different is we are not evaluating budget in depth. We ask a little bit about budget, but like, did you max out your budget? Did you come under budget? And like, what at a high level, what are you thinking about shifting next year? Like we're investing more into this than this. And so it's a really, really high level outlook. It's not going to benchmark your budget and how you're spending, you know, against national averages and stuff like that. It's also not here to, to dig into your billable hours. While we ask pricing questions, it's more about the approach to pricing, how that's showing up in different service lines or lines of business in your firm, um, and, you know, how you're charging things like tech fees and project management fees and, you know, some of the other things that filter into that. And what are the pricing increases as opposed to what are your billable hours? 
and rates and, you know, or equivalent if you're, you know, don't bill by the hour, you know, what are your, you know, revenue per FTE or things like that? What are the other metrics? So we don't dig into those things. Um, like I said, there's plenty of space for that, but nobody was really talking about how are we shifting our mindset? What are we investing in from a growth standpoint? How are we tackling some of the biggest questions right now, right? Um, you know, staffing right now is a huge question and marketing is playing a big role in helping firms address that. Client experience is a big piece of that. Um, and they're playing a big role in that M&A support and acquisition strategies, integration, and what role are they playing and what should we be expecting of our professionals that sit in this space? And so that's really what makes this unique is nobody's measuring those things in any of these surveys. We've taken or have access to a lot of them. Um, and they're great surveys um, for what they're doing and what they're measuring, but nobody was touching on these other things. And we found a huge response rate to having this information. And there's such a hunger for information because what we know of best practice is that it's so hard to define. What worked a couple of years ago doesn't work now. A pandemic has changed the game, the rules of the game. So people are curious, aren't they, to look over the garden wall, to benchmark themselves against what other people are doing and to find out what is really working and what isn't. Otherwise, they're often guessing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And and we know as CPAs don't like to guess, they don't like to be the, the, the first <laughs> to do something. But I think for the marketing and business development professionals that are in-house spearheading this, for them, they've maybe been trying to get some of this stuff done and, and just getting some validation, right? That it's not just hearsay. It's not like, hey, I want this particular piece of software. You know, look, this is the number one software. This is the, you know, one of the top three. So I'm not I'm not completely off my rocker when I'm saying, suggesting this. And, and you start looking at some of the prices and, you know, that's where the questions come in. And that's where I think in this profession, that validation really helps move change forward. And that's the goal of this. And, and one of the reasons our survey is constantly evolving is because I'm matching it to meet market demand. What are the questions the market has and how do we gather that information and give them something back that's going to help guide their growth? Mm. We've been doing a series of panels on one of our daily accounting podcasts on women leaders in accounting and interviewing some prominent and influential female leaders in the accounting and fintech space, asking them about how in important diversity is and equity and inclusion and these new agendas coming into the mix. Talk to us a little bit about how it affects the marketing mix and the growth and the brand of a firm, Sarah. Again, a broad question that I'm not sure I have enough time to answer. <laughs> I'm going to try and dig in on a couple of things because this is a really important topic to me. When I think about um, diversity, equity, inclusion, and justice, I add a little J in there. Um, you can I add an A in there as well, which is uh, accessibility. That's the yes, other yes, I love it. Um, I I think about it beyond just um, what we typically might define that initiative under. Right to me, diversity is equally diverse diversity of thought. And when we work with firms outside of the, the obvious, right, the obvious definitions is you know like race and gender and 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 some of those things. Having diversity of thought might mean having people around the table that maybe don't look like you or don't come from the same background as you, but it could also just be people that think differently. And we have this across our society today, right? We polarize and we try to stick ourselves in a bucket with other people that think the way that we think. And we get afraid when we don't agree on something. And be, partly because our societies have made it such a polarizing thing. And so 
I think it's critical to growth because you can't grow without diversity of thought. You can't grow without thinking bigger than what it looks like right now. That's part of this transformation that's going on in this profession across the globe is that firms are being asked to do things differently, Um, not just with how they deliver services, but truly step into roles that they've been leaning into for years with their clients. And that requires thinking differently about the people serving those and putting away some of the sacred cows that we hold on to as a profession. Nobody could possibly do this if they haven't been doing it for 30 years, or there's no way that you can do this if you're not a CPA, right? And you don't have this specific credentialing. And look, there is value in the CPA license. There's value in the CA license, right? Uh, but there is, um, there's also a whole nother world of value that I think people can bring to the table um, that they're not getting the opportunity to do now. And so when I think about those just at a super high level, I think I think about it in the context of growth and how is that informing how we think about the world and how we're approaching how we do business. And when we talk about CPA accounting firms growing and requiring diversity of thought to do so, some might argue that, hey, listen, accounting has survived for hundreds of years with, with old white males running the show. <laughs> and we know that they're dominant in leadership roles in the accounting profession, but the game has changed. The pandemic has been an accelerator as much as anything in that. So what worked back then is not working now. You can't run a firm like that so easy. Absolutely. I mean, dinosaurs went extinct for a reason. <laughs> not to equate, uh, you know, the latter reference there. But it, the truth is, you've got to look at the, the the resources and the staff you have. And I forget exactly what the statistic is off the top of my head, but if you look at the the gender balance and the people that are coming into accounting programs, right, um, over 50% of those are women. And when you look at how many people are working in a household, people claim all the time that millennials are lazy. They are not lazy people um, whatsoever. Most of them hold two jobs. Um, or have gigged for a very long time, but you've got two two people in a household working. You can't really survive. You've got to be part of the half a percent in the world to really be able to not work. And so, if we're thinking about that very topic and you know challenging that sacred cow of who's been there for the longest, right? Your workforce is women. Your workforce is found in making this profession attractive and and accessible right, to a lot of people that are underprivileged have no idea that this isn't even a possibility um, for them. And so, you know, being able to tell the story and, you know, break some misconceptions about what it means to be in public accounting is a huge thing. And that requires every single person in the profession to do that. Talk to us about how representative your research will be, Sarah, when we think of accounting firms. We've obviously got the big four, then all the the mid-tier that are still very substantial firms. We've got a slew of owner-managed firms and solo practitioners, and it's so different, isn't it? So getting a survey that's representative of the accounting profession must be so difficult. It is. um, I I will say that um, we are not aiming for the big four. Um, We're we're pretty much targeting everything below that. Uh, We try to get as representative of a a basis as possible. Um, I will say that in order for it to be statistically relevant, we would have to have, you know, three quarters of the eligible participants, which in in all the surveys that are being done in the profession right now, none of them are statistically um, relevant. Um, but we do try to make sure that before we report on data, we have enough people in there. And then what I say is we do our gut check against our work, right? If something seems off base and it's reporting, then we really challenge and look into that information. But most of the time, again, we come into this as a researcher with a hypothesis about what might be going on, but we try not to skew the results of that and ask, you know, very pointed questions about uh, people being able to weigh in. So 
Um, you know, our aim this year in the in the U.S. is to have at least 100 representative firms in that survey, and we are definitely more than on track to be able to do that. Um, and if we get some great international participants, that's great. I think that will be a big goal for us next year is to bring this out globally a little bit more. But we already have some responses from Canada. Well, we'll definitely partner with you on that and put the link to doing the surveys in the show notes. And let's mention right now that there's a it's free for survey participants, isn't it? Which is a nice gesture, not just taking part in it, but getting all the goodies afterwards and, and all the findings. Otherwise, people pay for it. Yeah, absolutely. And we are not releasing some of the results unless you have participated or purchasing the results of the survey, which is a change in the past. Because we added so much value to the survey this year and we are measuring things that are not measured anywhere and that are being asked quite a bit, we felt that was important. And our goal is to have more participation and that's one of the reasons we're giving it away free. You actually have to complete the survey um, to be able to do it. You can't just start it. So if you don't complete the survey, you'll still have to pay for the survey results as well. And it's aimed at the marketing, business development, growth related people in a firm. But thinking about it, for some firms, the managing partner plays a key role in that, the principal of the firm. So are you just getting anyone that's involved in growth to take the survey? If we get more than one response, we'll be vetting it with the firms to figure out who it is. In some cases, we know some of the firms, we know who the right person to respond is um, in those cases, but we're, we don't really have a lot of duplication. Um, and I, I think we really encourage firms to coordinate because of the data that's being gathered and asked in here. There kind of has to be some coordination with the right people in the firm. So um, absolutely, if you don't have that dedicated role and you are in charge of growth, then yes, please participate on your firm's behalf. You mentioned the word coordination, Sarah. Have you seen over the last year or two a better dialogue between marketing departments and executive boards and leaders in firms? Because generally marketing, they've done their own thing or the partners reach out to them when we need a budget to sponsor this event or can you do this brochure for us? And they've not been seen as a, a credible seat at the table, have they? But have things changed? I think it would depend on which firm you're talking to. I do think that globally, right, we are watching marketing professionals play very critical and important roles in strategy. We are seeing them support a lot of M&A right now. We are seeing them support um, pricing and client experience. So we are seeing a massive evolution. We are seeing more and more partners, um, you know, or marketers make partners in their firm. Uh, we've seen a couple make CEO in their firm as well. So absolutely it's trending, um, but there's there's still a group of people that don't have that same mindset yet, right? And um, so there's still what I always like to say, there's still lots of opportunity for there to be continued evolution here. Definitely. And uh, shout out to the Association of Accounting Marketing. We're finding in our conversations that people are pressing into communities, pressing into networks, associations, alliances, knowing that they can't do it by themselves, knowing that they need that peer over the garden wall, they need that benchmark, and they need those conversations so as not to stay isolated and to remain relevant. Are you finding that a lot? Absolutely. The AIM circles, from what I understand, are doing just swimmingly well, and that's uh, what you describe. It's just these small communities around particular topics. Um, in the AIM community. And I think they're doing just a fantastic job with those circles and people are, are really pleased with them. Now this survey closes November the 11th. Is that a hard stop, Sarah? Because I guess you've got to start your research somewhere. Yeah, there might be an extension date in there, but we won't know until we get closer to the 11th um, whether we're going to make an extension or not. So I would definitely uh, get started on your survey. Uh, what we're telling people, Rob, is that, you know, plan about an hour. We are happy to send copies of the questions in advance so you can gather everything before you sit down and input too. 
Um, and so if you go on to the link that you'll share with everybody, it'll have some of that information and you can make that request of our team so that you can get yourself organized. Sure. Well, between you and me and the rest of our listeners, we're going to have to make this a bonus episode because we record our interviews about three months in advance. We're, we're now into February and March for 2023. So we will make this a special bonus and put this out in the next week so we can get a few more recipients, respondents, sorry, of that. Sarah, talk to us about the key challenges that firms face in growth. I know you've touched on tech and talent and everything else, but from what we see here, it is very hard for firms to grow in that they are not differentiating well enough. One accounting firm sounds and looks the same as another. Their websites are similar. Their value propositions are similar. Their, their promises are similar. What's really working? Oh, gosh, uh, you're really good at the questions that I could spend hours on. Rob. <laughs> um, I think one of the places that we're really trying to help firms spend time that will ultimately translate into how they stand out in the market is truly understanding what makes them different. I think a lot of firms think it's just about the identity, but there's so much work that comes before the identity. And part of it is knowing who you are as a firm and more importantly, where you want to go. Um, and and accounting firms aren't known Things like for vision and, and mission and purpose there, aren't you? Yes, vision, mission, and purpose, and core values. Big, big piece of it. And, um, you know, for years, it's just been about, oh, we need a pretty website, or, you know, we need something else. But there's there's so much brand strategy work that comes before the identity build that firms need to agree on. And that's what allows you to translate into identity and copy and everything that truly stands out when you can understand who you are. And because firms are going through so much evolution right now, I don't believe that, I, that that they know that as innately as they should. And they're having to revisit that to say, who do we want to be? I mean, are we going to be a firm that is going to look for PE investment or are we not and why, right? Are we going to split our practices and take out our, our advisory practice and separate that from our accounting because we're so heavily invested into this? There's a lot of big questions that firms have to ask themselves right now about who they want to be, because this this market is definitely splintering. And I think that's going to continue to be the case. And there's going to be different groups of firms that all fit in the shooterverse of, you know, CPA and chartered accounting firms across the globe. What mistakes do you see firms get wrong with their marketing and their growth strategies, Sarah, apart from not talking about it at all? Um, you know, I think the biggest thing that we try to encourage firms to do is every time they hit a roadblock, whether it's capacity or um, a challenge, we want to take our foot off the gas pedal, right? And I always have to remind them that it takes time to build brand awareness. While you would like to believe that the second you send that email to your entire group announcing whatever the services that you do, that, you know, all of a sudden we're going to get an influx of 10 clients that are ready to use our services tomorrow. The reality is it just doesn't happen. And it takes a number of touch points for us to do that. And so we're always fearful to do that. And, um, you know, we, we need to remember that every time we take our foot off the gas pedal, it takes that much longer to get it started again, because this is all about momentum. And so even if you don't want to go full steam, you know, let's cruise a little bit, but let's not totally stop it. And we've got to make sure we're having the right conversation. The conversation is, well, we don't have capacity. We can't do anything. Well, seems like we're at capacity. Maybe we should talk about how, who we're going to hire next year, right? That's the much better response. And then we can cruise and then speed up a little bit on some of those things. I like your idea of momentum. Most aircraft fly between three and five miles in the air, but apparently it takes a third of the fuel in an aircraft to get one mile off the ground. That sounds about a, that sounds about a, a pretty typical analogy for 
<laughs> marketing and success in an accounting firm. I might well, have so often we that. see firms, they put out a post here and a blog there and, and maybe start a podcast for a few weeks there. And it's all get off the ground, stop it again, get off the ground. And it's not really joined up. So what's going to happen to the firms that don't get their growth strategies right or try the wrong things if we were to look ahead the next few years? Because this is a competitive space. And there's a lot of M&A stuff going on. Man, I wish I had a crystal ball. I think there's so many unknowns with that, but I would say that there's less room for error right now. The market is so competitive that even with the best late efforts, even with the most intentional, you know, heartfelt investments in trying, some firms just aren't going to make it. And we're going to continue to see consolidation, but there's also going to continue to be a place for, you know, small and mid-sized firms. There always will be like the, the legal profession went through the same type of consolidation years ago. Right. And I think it's probably still going through some of it. I think we're seeing it on a larger scale in public accounting, especially with PE investment. So it's going to change the landscape of the profession and that decision around who you want to be as a firm is going to be critically important. And I don't know if one mistake will mean that you have to sell your firm um, I, I think there's so much context that needs to be in that conversation, but I do think that that you can't sit on the sidelines and wait for the right time um, to figure that out. If you're not investing now, you're not developing the skills, the sales skills and the, those growth mindset skills that we've been talking about and, and, and doing the consistent marketing, you're not putting yourself in a, in a kind of advantageous position, that's for sure. Sarah, we'll ask you to finish in just a moment with a link where people can do the survey. We'll put it in our show notes as well, but not everyone reads the show notes. They like to hear it on an audio. So get ready to dig that out for us. Tell us really quickly, when you're not doing big research surveys, what innovators do? Oh, absolutely. So we um, we do a couple of things. Um, we do outsourced uh, marketing consulting uh, for accounting firms. Um, and in all of that, we literally can run a marketing department, soup to nuts on their behalf, um, work with their people if they've got it. Um, but we also are oftentimes helping get some of that stuff, you know, right sized if there's been some alignment issues or a lot of growth that the firm's been achieving. Um, for that, we do a lot of brand strategy work um, and included in that is some market research that we do um, for firms. Uh, and then we also do a lot of sales training and coaching as well. So um, we have a whole um, hybrid sales training model that is done both in person and online, um, sort of self-study paced uh, that we do with firms. And we do a lot of live trainings as well as, as part of that too. And are you a fit for the smaller firms that don't have their own marketing department? Or do you work with the bigger firms as well that need a, a, an extra bit of consulting or strategy? Yeah, both. We are often an outsourced uh, marketing department for firms that don't have somebody, or maybe they've just got like a part-time person that can dedicate a little bit of time, but don't have that quite that same level of experience. But we also work with a lot of the larger firms that are often doing some staff augmentation for their teams that maybe they don't have full capacity or there's a skill set that they need that um, you know, maybe we're supplementing on a short-term or long-term basis. So let's get some respondents to this survey. The more data, the better. Where can people uh, tune into it, Sarah? Yeah, if you go to our landing page, Innovatus, I-N-O-V-A-U-T-U-S.com, on the main homepage is a direct link to the survey that will take you straight there. And that will have the information if you want to request the questions as well. Um, on that main link. It's right on the header of our slider. So um, it's right there. When you... It takes how long? Um, the survey, once you have all the information, shouldn't take you more than, say, 30 minutes to complete it. 
um, but you may need to gather some of the information and have it at your fingertips to be able to do that. And why should people do it, Sarah? They're, they're busy. They've got loads and loads of things to do. They've got marketing and growth stuff to do, for goodness sake. So what's the benefits for them again? You know, I think the biggest benefit would be, let's make sure you're doing the right things, right? And why not hear from your other peers and see what they're doing, right? There's nothing worse than getting through the year and going, oh gosh, why didn't I put that pricing increase? All of a sudden I see all my competitors are doing this. Why am I not pricing out our tech or our project management, right? I mean, that could be millions of dollars for some firms, you know, thousands for others. But, um, you know, for 30 minutes of your time, let's, let's, you know, validate that you're doing the right things. And let's make sure you're not missing something. The best thing about information is you just don't know what you don't know sometimes. And if you truly believe that and you believe there's value in it, you'll get a lot of value out of the survey. And doesn't it make sense for modern day professionals to just lift their head up and think less tactically and more strategically to invest in some professional personal development like this to gather some intel on and commercial awareness about what's going on? This seems like an ideal way to do that. Yeah, absolutely. When do the results come out, Sarah? Uh, the results will be coming out. I think our webinar date is February 2nd. I don't think we've released that publicly yet, but now we are. Um, <laughs> uh, but it's the very first week of February that we'll be releasing all of the results. And again, the webinar will only have a limited amount of information. Um, in order to get the full results, you're going to have to either participate or purchase the survey results. Well, when we go live, will you come back on the show and talk to us about the high-level findings and uh, point people towards where they can get more information? I would absolutely love to do that. Well, Sarah Dobeck of Innovortis, it's been great talking to you today. Good luck with your survey. We'll help you with it as much as we can. And uh, you professionals out there, do something beyond what you're doing now to get somewhere beyond where you are right now, because the only way is education. And once you do that and upskill with something like this, you will get a lot further on. Sarah, thank you so much for your passion and your insights today. Thank you so much, Rob, for having me.